This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Those of you who are watching on our video stream will see that I am wearing a mask. Those of you on radio, if I sound a bit muffled, that's why. Our guests, Dr. Ray Dionandon, who is an epidemiologist and associate professor in the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Ottawa, and Dr. Alon Vaisman, who is an epidemiologist with the University Health Network, are also watching so they can critique my technique. Now, this is a disposable mask that I bought in a convenience store. I put it on with clean hands. I touched it once to adjust it, make it a bit tighter around my nose. And now I have to doff it. So, hand sanitizer. Let me put some of this on. Get it in there. Ooh, it stings a bit. Okay, so I am just touching it there. Whoops, it hit the microphone. That's not good. And uh, I am putting it on top of a clean plastic bag. Now, uh, before we get to the doctors to uh, see how I did with this, I'm going to give the numbers out. I'm sure you have a lot of questions about masks and all the different kinds of masks and what's the right way and the right place to wear them. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. 40. And now to our doctors, Radio Nandan and Alon Vaisman. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, um, how did I do? Did I do this correctly? Uh, yes. Uh, the important piece is that you did was to make sure that you sanitized your hands before bringing them to your head and neck and before touching the mask. Touching the ear loops instead of touching the actual front of the mask is correct. And then if you place it down on a surface that's clean and dry, that's the right thing to do with the uh, part of the mask. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, you want to make sure that you contaminate the part of the mask that's facing your face. So you you may want to put the the mask uh, face down instead uh, with the part exposed to the outside down so that uh, you're not going to be putting that mask back on with a contaminated side towards you. In general, though, the masks should be discarded after they're used. That's the general recommendation uh, for uh, disposable masks. So uh, why, uh, why, why can't I reuse that mask if I only had it on for a bit? Uh, so it's a good question. It, you know, before COVID, we would never reuse disposable masks. But uh, now during COVID, depending on the setting we're speaking about, specifically in healthcare settings, we, we are having the masks reused or used for an extended period of time uh, based on the availability of the masks. Certainly, if we're talking about certain other kinds that are less available to the public, or maybe the public has less access to it, then it can be safely reused. It just needs to be very carefully done, and the public needs to be educated about how that how that should be done before they uh, reuse masks that are otherwise should be disposed of. Uh, Dr. Dionandon, is this a surgical mask? Is this what they call a surgical mask? 
It looks like one. I can't be uh, certain unless I examine it. But yeah, uh, but most of the uh, general population will likely be using a homemade cloth mask, which is of somewhat lesser quality in the sense that the fiber width will be greater. But it's important to keep in mind that the reason that we're wearing these masks isn't to protect ourselves necessarily, it's to protect other people. So the quality of the mask is less important when we consider this from a population perspective. What we're trying to do is to prevent an asymptomatic sick person from unknowingly broadcasting the virus to others. So any quality mask will be useful in that respect. Okay. Um, Actually, uh, I see uh, most people wearing these kinds of masks now that they seem to be readily available and and not too, too expensive. Um, Getting to those cloth masks, and again, uh, the guidance that I've read with a cloth mask is that you can only wear it once, and then you have to wash it and wait till it dries and all of that. And my question is, uh, so for instance, we see the Prime Minister wearing a mask. He wears the mask, he walks out of his house or into Parliament, then he takes it off. Uh, are you telling me that he probably next time he puts it back on, wears another, gets another mask? I, I think that's the ideal scenario, but let's be honest here. That's unlikely to be convenient or possible for most people. So we don't want to be, in my opinion, um, overly stringent with these extreme hygiene controls if it's not possible to maintain them. The important part here is that if enough people wear masks enough of the time, the population rate of transmission goes down. This is not about protecting ourselves individually. It's about you know, an aggregate reducing the transmission rate. So if you want to reuse your mask throughout the day, it's not ideal, but you can, but try to wash it every day if you can. Uh-huh. And again, with the disposable mask, if you're uh, careful uh, not to touch the front part of it, then not the end of the world if you, if you reuse it? In my opinion, it's not the end of the world. That's right. But if you can dispose of it and get a new one, that's better. Okay. And why? Um, so, for instance, uh, the other day I took a walk. And at the end of the walk, uh, I had a gelato and I pulled the mask down. Why is that bad? Uh, Generally speaking, if you bring the mask down and your face is contaminated with something and you bring the mask back up to your face, now you've contaminated your nose and mouth uh, with whatever is there. So, for example, if if there was some kind of spray of it near you, like somebody sneezed or coughed, and it was outside of the area where the mask protected, if you bring the mask down, now that part of the mask that would have touched your mucous membranes are now contaminated. And so it's generally not recommended to bring the mask down below your chin. First of all, it's not effective when it's there. And second of all, you risk contamination yourself when that happens. So uh, generally, the idea would be that either you're wearing the mask appropriately or you've placed it in somewhere that's clean and dry and uh, not having anything in between. Oh, okay. (laughs) One of the weirdest things I've seen so far, yesterday I saw a notice that some Israeli uh, scientists have developed a remote-controlled mask that will open for eating, I guess when you when you touch a, a remote. Uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think of that? Uh, do you mean that the the front part of it opens? Yeah, the, the front part, part it opens so oh. you can eat. Yeah, I guess in my view, you either the mask is on or off, and if anything in between leads to contamination. So if you're eating, for example, you you might contaminate the mask and make it less effective. If the mask is soiled or moistened then it's less effective in its filtration ability. It's still better than nothing, but you've severely decreased the ability to use that mask. So 
that would be the general approach. It's, it's either on and securely on your face. You've, you've cleaned your hands, you put it on, or you've taken it off and it's in a secure area that's clean and dry and you wash your hands. And anything in between leads to self-contamination, potentially. Okay, I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions about masks. Do they really need to wear them? Where and how? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm talking to epidemiologist Dr. Alon Vaisman and Dr. Ray Dionandon, who is also an epidemiologist. Uh, I demonstrated my mask technique at the top of the show. I know that I did the wrong thing uh, the other day when I pulled a mask down to eat a gelato, <laughs> but the gelato was really good, I have to say. Uh, so um, the, the other question that I have in terms of these cloth masks, I'm trying to figure out the difference between a $5 cloth mask and a $30 cloth mask. And some of them have two layers. And they also talk about putting a filter in like a bit of coffee filter. What is the point of a filter inside between the layers of a mask? So the the idea of a mask for personal protection is you want as thin or as small as a gap as possible so that a pathogen cannot get through. An N95 mask has a width of about three microns, I think, and a virus is about one micron wide, so several viruses together can't squeeze through. A surgical mask has, I think, a five micron width, so more can get through, and a cloth mask has a much wider width. If you have several layers, then you heighten the probability of preventing uh, pathogens from crossing those barriers. A filter has an even tighter sort of uh, uh, fiber width so that it's possible for fewer uh, pathogens to pass through. I do want to stress this point, though, that we're focusing entirely on self-protection, which is not the public health messaging around most people wearing masks. So it doesn't really matter so much what the quality of your mask is for personal protection. The role of the mask is, for most people, as a windbreak to prevent you from pushing your your viral load, if you're sick, past a couple of centimeters past your face. So as long as you can breathe and you're getting that limited expression of wind out of your mouth, it's doing its job. Okay, yeah. So, but uh, is is the deal that that if I go to the better mask or the two levels with a coffee filter, then I am also protecting myself? That's the theory. But it's not proven. It's not proven, yes. It's not proven. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. And uh, here's a very practical question from Isabel in Mississauga. Hello, Isabel. Hello, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I, I wear glasses because I cannot wear contacts, but my glasses steam up every time I wear a mask. <laughs> how do I deal with that? Good uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, generally that happens if the nose bridge uh, part of the mask is not uh, clearly tightened to the face. So if there's uh, steam that comes up from the mouth as you're breathing out, it can clog up the ma- uh, the glasses. So the better the secure fit over the bridge of the nose, the, the less likely that happens. So there's some there's different levels of surgical masks that you can wear, and some of them have a better um, kind of metallic part over the bridge of the nose that prevents that. If you're using a cloth mask, then you just have to be able to find a, a slightly tighter fit over the bridge of the nose to prevent that from happening. Because yeah, I'm not the only one. I ask other people when I'm shopping, how do they deal with it? And they're having the same problem as I am. The glasses steam up with uh, the, the breathing. So, 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, some so, of the, the homemade masks have um, people have sewn in wire at the very top to create yeah. a metal bridge, and you squeeze it over your nose, and that prevents the airflow coming up behind your glasses. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for your call, Isabel. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, uh, let's hear from John in Toronto. Hi, yeah. John. Hi. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. I'm not a, a big fan of wearing these masks anymore now that I've learned a lot more after the month of January. I don't, I don't I, but I, I just want to know two things. First is, how, hello? Hello, yes, go ahead. I heard a big sh- noise. I want to know how long, um, my understanding is that we can wear the mask for 48 hours before it um, expires, before it, it's of no use. I want to know if that's true or not, or what the real answer is with regards to how long the last the mask is good for. And secondly, um, Trudeau gave China eight hundred to think seventy nine million dollars. Not like as if we don't need that type of money right about now. And we found out that there were false test kits mailed to us from China, bootleg, bogus tests, um, N ninety five masks from China that frankly do not work, which is very worrisome. Trudeau said he would give back a portion, but let let the remainder stay in Canada and use the mask for purposes other than for protecting our health, which I think is kind of silly because the portion that he mails back to China, communist China, will be sold possibly to someone else or misused. I think we should have just burnt the mask and got 100% okay, of our money okay, back. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you. So um, you asked about how long to use a mask. What kind of a mask? Is it a disposable or a cloth mask that you want to know? It's a disposable, uh, looks like a medical mask that we wear in the hospital. Okay, John, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to let the doctors uh, respond. Uh, we were just talking about that. So it's it's not 48 hours, as, as John was saying, right? Doctors? Uh, yeah, so then it's hard to know exactly how long it would take for a mask to no longer be usable. The general guidance that we would give to people is that if the mask, the, the indications to dispose of your mask, so in general, we would do that after every use, but as we discussed, it may not be practical or feasible to do now that there's mask shortages and accessibility issues. The general approach would be to discard the mask if it's damaged in any way, for example, the bridge or the, the mask itself in the front or the loop. If it becomes very hard to breathe through, if it becomes heavily soiled at all, if it becomes very moist, or if somebody's actually contaminated the mask uh, in any way, for example, somebody sneezed or coughed on you, those would all be indications to discard the mask and get a new one. So this, for some people, depending on the nature of what they do or what they're doing on a day-to-day basis in public, may be very short, and for some people it may be several hours. But in general, the mask, if you're using it for several hours at a time, generally speaking, you're, you're probably not going to use it the next day uh, because of those, one of those things is likely to happen, and it's likely going to lose its, uh, its ability to filter properly. Okay. Uh, now, uh, we've been seeing a number of businesses uh, insist that people wear masks. There are some grocery stores, uh, and uh, you, where there are some places where it's optional and some places where it's mandatory. The places where it's mandatory, I think, are places that have had positive cases. Is that a good idea, doctors? Uh, I'll pipe up on this one. I think it is a good idea. And my reasoning has to do with the population statistics. So I keep harping on this point, but the masks in general don't protect individuals well, but they're great at protecting other people at a population level. 
So early on in this pandemic, the question that was being asked around masks was, is it a good way to protect ourselves? That's the wrong question. The question should be, is it a good way to reduce the rate of transmission in the population? And the answer to that is yes. And most of our studies suggest that if about 70% of the population is wearing a mask, then the rate of transmission comes down dramatically. That's especially true if you're in a scenario where you cannot physically distance, if you cannot maintain that two-meter distance between you and the next person, like a grocery store. So every little bit helps. I think of this as you're building walls of protection against this virus, and neither, no wall is perfect. Social distancing is a wall, hand-washing is a wall, masking is another wall. If we have all of those walls in place, then we can better protect ourselves and our community. Uh, the studies that you were referring to, I'm assuming that they are, they're, they're not, you know, from this pandemic. They predate that, right? That's right. A lot of them are modeling studies, too. Uh, some have been done using the common cold. Some have been done using the flu. And they're not, you know, um, they're not based on COVID data for the most part, but they're based on extrapolation of, of, of modeling data. And the suggestion is every public health step we take reduces the rate of transmission and slows the possibility of a second wave. Masking is one of those steps, in my opinion. Uh, okay, so uh, here's a question that is slightly political. Did our public health leaders missed the mark at the beginning when they said, don't bother wearing a mask. It's not necessary. It's not going to do any good. I'll, I'll take a first crack at this one. Um, I don't like to second guess our public health leaders. And I understand why they were hesitant to make that recommendation, even though I think they should have made the recommendation. The first is that the danger of people wearing masks is that it gives them a false sense of security. Of the three things I mentioned, the distancing, the hand washing and mask wearing, the masks are the least effective. So we want to make sure that wearing a mask doesn't prevent you from washing your hands and distancing. And the second is, if you're wearing a mask, you're more likely to touch your face if you haven't got good mask discipline. And the third is, as been mentioned by my colleague, a mask can be a vector of transmission if you're not using it well. You're moving it from one place to another. So those three factors, I think, made people hesitant to recommend it to the population. But right now, I think it's the right time for everyone to be adopting mask usage. Dr. Vaisman, do you think yes, that I, we missed the mark? I, I think those are all excellent points that were made, and I would just add to that that it, in a pandemic, it's very easy to look back and say this or that was done, but without understanding the context when those decisions or when those recommendations were made. So certainly in January and February, when there's no community transmission of this virus in Canada, then it was certainly, and that's when we heard most of this messaging come out, that was certainly the right thing to do. And so you have to, people have to understand that as the pandemic changes, as the numbers change, that's how recommendations should change. And we've seen that. Uh, Dr. Tam had made this, made this recommendation several weeks ago and also reasserted this this uh, recommendation yesterday. So I, I, I think those were all, the timing of all those uh, recommendations were all made appropriate to, to the realities of what was going on in Canada. It, it's. I find it <clears throat> interesting. Obviously, this is a fast-moving thing. The information changes all the time. But a lot of people seem to get really upset when the guidance changes based on new information and they get, you know, riled up in some cases and they say, that's not what you told us, you know, a month ago. I I don't really uh, get that. But though in some cases, you know, definitely mistakes could have been made. I'm going to take a call from Jerry and Markham and, and Jerry doesn't like that some people are mandating mask wearing. Hi, Jerry. Hi. What, it, what angers me is I went into a nursery and they insist that you buy a $2 mask from them and in order to come into the premises. Otherwise, 
you cannot enter the premises. And I don't think the throwaway mask should cost $2 where the nursery is making a mint off of selling them. Uh, you know, uh, they're cheaper in convenience stores as far as I can see. I guess you have to uh, come wearing your yeah, own. When you buy them in a convenience store, you're buying a box. So you're getting 20 or 30 masks or whatever the quantity is for a fixed price. If you go in with three people, that's, you know, besides yourself, your family, that's four, four of you. There's $8 just to walk in the door. Um, and yeah, well, you, the, you need to go prepared if you don't want to pay the price that people are charging. And some places are handing them out. I was at a grocery store yesterday, albeit a very pricey grocery store, and uh, they give you a mask. So I guess that's in the price of the groceries. But um, yeah, people have to uh, come equipped now if if you're uh, and maybe check out another thing to do, check out where you're going and whether they mandate masks and whether they charge you or don't charge you. Now the government's come up with that new idea that public transit, wherever you are, you have to have a mask on in order to board the vehicle uh, or else you can't ride public transit. Uh-huh. And you I think... That's a bad idea? Yeah, because to me, that's taking my rights away. But to me, and I've spoken to a lot of people, they feel that's one step away from us being a communistic country. Our our freedom of rights are going right out the window. Well, We uh, We don't have the right to control our own body the way we, whichever way we want. And I think, you know, that's being rammed down our throats. And I don't think that's right. Yeah, except that uh, studies have shown, I mean, studies have shown that public transit is is one of the key points of transmission. I mean, you know, you've also got the right to get sick and really sick, possibly, I guess. I don't know. That's not a that 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 doesn't cut it with you. No, I drive transport truck and I'm in and out of places all all the time. And some of the places uh, they give you a mask to wear. Otherwise, you you. You have the vestibule there where you come through the door, you hand in your paperwork, you go back, sit in your truck, they unload you and hand you your paperwork or whatever, and so that uh, you, don't even en- you don't even enter the premises. And so I find needing a mask is almost unnecessary for me, except for if I went it, for going into that nursery or if I go into the grocery store, I'll, I'll, put one on for, you know, I'll put one on for that just for the sake of of not having to deal with a hassle from the management or whatever. Well, yeah, that's um, that's that's a good plan. Thanks, Jerry, for your call. Uh, so, uh, doctors, uh, how do you get the public health message to people who think that all of this is infringing on their rights? Um, I think we need to people need to understand that the other side of rights is responsibilities, and if we have the freedom in society to do what we choose that freedom must come with the understanding that what we choose impacts others. I would like for things not to be mandatory, and I would like for people to understand why it is right to act responsibly. You have the right not to ride public transit if you don't want to, but if you do ride public transit, you probably should wear a mask. So as this unfolds, we're going to see a greater tension between individual rights and the rights of the public to be safe from individuals. I'm not sure how we navigate that appropriately, but one is that we in public health have to press that message better. This is about protecting other people, protecting your elderly, your, your children, your, your parents. And I think that's the way to sell the message. Uh, yeah, and it's, you know, when it, when it comes to a nursery or a grocery store, those are private businesses and the people who own them have the right to make the rules, just the same way that I have the right to say who can come into my own home. 
uh, I guess. But, uh, you know, my advice to businesses out there is, you know, don't don't try to make a lot of money on a mask of somebody who shows up at your business without a mask. Uh, you know, two bucks is kind of borderline. I paid um, $15 for 10. You can get them cheaper than that. But they're, they're generally speaking going to be, you know, something over a, a dollar, a dollar per disposable mask. Uh, I think that's, and I don't think, I don't think there's much of a shortage of these things now. You can uh, make your own as well. Yeah. You, well, <laughs> yeah, my sewing skills are limited. <laughs> and there are lots of places you can order cloth masks on the internet. Some of them are, are if you think that two bucks is expensive, uh, go on to the internet and, and check out the fancy masks. There are uh, many people in the community who are making masks for free for members of the community. So uh, look around and people are being quite generous and helpful. And I think that's our way through this is through the generosity of our neighbors. One of the points that Dr. Tam made uh, about these new masking recommendations is that we're, we're putting them in effect now because we are starting to open up. There are more people around, there are more cars around, there's more everything around. And uh, so my question is, uh, you know, um, should it be mandatory? These are still recommendations. Yeah, that's a good question, um, and it speaks to the comments of the earlier caller about uh, an infringement on rights. You know, there's many other public health measures that are mandatory, um, like about seatbelting or wearing a bicycle helmet or non-smoking in certain areas or not having weapons in certain areas, those kind of things. And this, this would go even beyond that because, as was discussed, it goes beyond the safety of the individual. It goes beyond. It goes towards the safety of people who are next to you. And even the safety of people you've never met or never will come in contact with, because what, what you do in this in this pandemic affects a whole broader ring of people that it's it's hard for people to kind of wrap their minds around that. So I think when you're getting into mandatory, you're going to have to be able to justify it in, in certain areas, uh, being the highest risk areas where the risk is not tolerable, for example, in the hospital settings or uh, long-term care facilities, places where there's really, truly the highest risk I think that's where it would be more digestible for the public to understand and maybe expand out from there about what, where where would be reasonable to say that it's mandatory. Because if you start by saying it's mandatory in a very broad set of uh, settings, I think that'll be much more challenging for there to be uptake and for people to get on board. And, and as was discussed by my colleague here, that it's all about getting people to understand things, not not getting people to do it because they have to, but do it again because they think it's the right thing to do and it's the it's a responsible thing to do. So uh, let's just go over some of the things that I've heard from public health before we wrap things up. You should use the mask if you can't socially distance uh, certain places like a supermarket, a grocery store. But I've also heard that, on the other hand, if you're just passing somebody, the chances of picking up the virus that way are pretty small. I've also heard that if if you're taking a run, you don't need to wear a mask. Uh, but what about a walk? In, in my opinion, the risk of uh, transmitting the virus through a walk is small. However, there's something to be said for messaging. If you're wearing a mask, you're signaling to other people that you are cooperating with the community. You're part of the solution. And uh, I think it also reminds people that there is a virus around. So there is a psychological component to this, not just a, a, a scientific one. 
even though psychology is a science. So there are many layers to this analysis. Yes, your risk is low if you're going for a walk and randomly passing people. If you think you might be going in the store, then have your mask on. On the other hand, if people see you wearing a mask, they know you are responsible and safe, and they feel confident around you. Well, I have to tell you, that's one of the reasons I've been uh, trying to convince a family member about wearing a mask. And it, uh, what I had, my explanation was, you know what, if you wear one and you walk in every, every, anywhere, it is just a lot easier and people treat you differently because it puts them at ease. Yeah, I, I think that's a very important point about the appearance, about the uh, the appearances of people in public is that there's sort of a culture and understanding that people care about each other by wearing a mask and they respect each other's uh, personal space as well, not to get too close. And by wearing a mask, you kind of indicated that. The other side of that is that if there is um, too much mask wearing in places that are very low risk, uh, you know, the uptake might be, you, may, you might experience some um, lower uptake in places where it is truly necessary, like in indoor spaces or public transportation. So it's a balance in figuring out what's the best way to maximize the mask usage across the board, realizing that if you're very strict in areas where it's really not indicated, then you're going to have uh, like blowback and people are not going to want to use it even when it is indicated. So um, although although it has a small incremental benefit in like a public space, like in a park, it has a much higher benefit in a tighter space like indoors. So your messaging around that and your the rules around it I think just have to acknowledge that reality and figuring out what's the best way to just maximize it across the board. Okay. Uh, I know we're running out of time. I want to take one very quick call and then have one very quick last question. Joan in Orangeville. Hi. Oh, hi, Libby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I just want to tell you I'm, I'm very... Uh, very for wearing the mask. I don't like to go out without it. I'm just kind of concerned that, that they say the mask, which is very important, it's to protect the other person. Why do we not have a mask that, or a double, double whammy that protects us also, uh, with this mask? And, and I've learned a lot about how I've been wearing and not using my mask properly, which is that I thank you very much. And that call about the gentleman, the truck driver, I think his name was Jerry. He should be, he should be thankful to to wear a mask to to. As I say, I keep thinking to help himself to. Um, there's lots of lots of stuff out there in the air with this virus. Yes, thank you, Libby. Okay, thank you, Joan. Appreciate your call. Um, again, we're out of time. My last question to the doctors before we wrap up. Uh, yesterday, I drove through our neighborhood, Liberty Village. I saw very few masks and the people were very young. And as I drove uptown and people got to be a little older and with families, I saw a lot more masks. So um, we remember at the beginning of the pandemic, young people were a little kind of uh, lackadaisical about this. Do you have a view of that before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll go first. This is a major concern of mine because young people will probably be the biggest transmitters of the disease going forward and might be the cause of the second wave. So it's more important than ever before for the youth to get on board with protecting everybody else. And that means hopefully wearing a mask to prevent transmission because they're likely to be asymptomatic carriers. Dr. Vaisman, yeah. do you have a view? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point um, that how do we get young people to understand it? it's very far removed from them because few of them have ever been critically ill themselves uh, to get them to understand that what their actions have consequences for people that they will never even meet. 
uh, especially older people, people who are immune compromised. There has to be some kind of larger social movement here to convince younger people that it is important, important for their health, important for everyone's health. And, you know, there's lots of people in this field of social media and influencers and things like that that could help try to convince them that this is this is going to be, unfortunately, this is how it is now. And this is the reality of the pandemic. This is life is going to be different. What's socially acceptable before won't be socially acceptable now. And I think that that's kind of like steering the Titanic. It's a big, big thing to move. But that's what really needs to start to happen now. Okay. Um, thank you so much for all that terrific information. I really appreciate it. And uh, I suspect that this is a topic that we are going to have to revisit pretty soon. Thanks again, Dr. Alon Vaisman and Dr. Ray Dionandan. Bye-bye. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.